Uh, my name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I get to teach this text, this final episode in the book of John. You know, final episodes are kind of fun, especially when you kind of fall in love with these series. You know, the way they go now with the, the Netflix or Amazon or whatever, they, you watch it all, and you kind of know this is the last one. And then we have to scroll around for four days, figure out what to watch next, you know, and that's, you post on Facebook, what should I watch? And everyone posts the same six things. You know, the last, the last one for Taylor and I that we got, like, emotionally attached to was that show Parks and Rec. And, you know, because we had watched it a couple times, first couple episodes, and you're like, these people are weird and not into it. And then someone said, you got to just get through there. You know, you got to wait, wait till you get to know the characters. And you get to know the characters. And then the last episode, there's like this combination of tying up all the loose ends and like future about where, where are they now. And it's the same in like watching movies when like the, the credits roll. And then at the end, it's like, now Billy plays in the NFL. And, you know, Susie has six kids. And, you know, Jordan still works at that same bar. And you, you, you know, whatever it is, you know, and you kind of like, where are they now? That type of thing. And this is like the last episode in the Gospel of John, right? So if you've been with us, we started John after Easter two years ago. So some of you have been with us for two years. And some of you are going on like, who cares? We're in the book Gospel of John. I've been here two weeks. This doesn't mean anything to me. But I'm, I'm emotionally attached to John, and this is a final episode emotional day for me. So you guys can bear with me as I feel connected to John. Part of it is I like John. I like teaching John because John kind of teaches itself. It's pretty clear, right? I feel like a lot of the times I'm like really praying and thinking about what to preach, and it's mostly you're choosing what not to preach because there's so much good stuff right in John. Whereas we're doing Colossians after the series, which I'm also excited about Colossians. Colossians is like the all of life is all for Jesus signpost, like our, our catchphrase as a church. That's Colossians, top to bottom, all of life is all for Jesus. And in the fall, we're going to do First and Second Samuel looking at Saul, David, and Solomon, which is, I'm a, kind of excited about, but if I'm honest, it's going to be a lot more work for me getting to know those books than John. So in case you're wondering, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I'm going to have to double my sermon prep time. So there's, there's that in 1st and 2nd Samuel, but th- we're, this is the final episode of John, the final little piece before he wraps up. Really the way John was structured, you know, the, the original title of the book was According to John or Kata John, and it's really in four sections. There's the prologue, which is kind of that poetic, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. Uh, you, if you're with us with that, you remember that two years ago. Then there's this book called the Book of Signs, where Jesus is doing these seven key miracles, and there's these seven key times he talks about I am, and it's kind of revealing who he is as the character of God, and also he's helping us look forward to the time when he comes back and like the kingdom of God is fully and finally established. Then there's the Book of Glory, and the Book of Signs is all action-oriented. The Book of Glory really slows down, and the whole second half of John is just this zoomed-in look on the last couple of days of Jesus' life. And even like the, the actions are all intense, but it's like the whole slow motion final episode. And then what we got here today is the epilogue, like the last phrase. This is when John finally reveals himself as the author. This is when John kind of reveals to us, uh, he's correcting some misconceptions before he passes away. But really he's gonna highlight for us these kind of three major things that he wants to get across to us before we, before we move on. And the first thing we see here is these final words. And there's, there's three big parts of these final words. The first one is that this, Jesus is bigger than this book. Uh, he's saying, I wrote this book. It's a faithful witness to Jesus, but this book can't contain Jesus. The second thing is you need to mind your own business, which I really like that point a lot. I'm going to get to why I like that a lot, but it just kind of, I read it and I'm like, I'm excited to do this one. And then the, uh, the third one is follow me, do something about this. This is not just like know this, it's not put this on a shelf, it's 
follow me, come with me, here we go, let's do this together. And so these are the final things in the final episode of Jesus, and we're going to get to those. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll walk through this. Uh, Father, thank you for John. Thank you for creating him. Thank you for helping him, having him walk with you when you were on this earth. Thank you for his craftsmanship and putting together this book and writing it for us. Thank you that he wrote it for us, that we could believe and follow. Okay, I pray for the folks in this room who have only been here, maybe today's their first day, or they've been here for maybe a week or so, or a couple weeks. Uh, I pray that you'd uh, help them get the flavor for what you're doing in this book, even as we wrap it up. I pray for those of us who've been here for two years, that we can be grateful for what you've done in our life as we sat under this book for a while. And God, above all that, I pray that we'd just follow you. We wouldn't overcomplicate this. We'd get with you on the path. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we get here is bigger than the book. This is John's last sentence here. John chapter 21, verse 25. Now there are many other things that Jesus did. So John's going, this is not a comprehensive retelling of what happened. This is not security camera footage that I set up and we just watched it on fast forward. He's going, there's a lot of stuff that happened. I only told you some of it. Now we're in a culture moment nowadays where if anybody's withholding information, we're immediately skeptical. Oh yeah, what else happened? Oh yeah, why do you only tell us this stuff? Or why did we not do this? But John's never ever pretended to not be uh, giving us the, the whole truth. He's giving us faithfully the truth, but he's giving us part of it to make a certain point, to make a certain reality. This is one of the reasons why we talk about in our membership document that you can know God truly, but you cannot actually know God fully. That God is infinite. If you tried to know everything about him, your brain would explode. That we are humans. It's not just because of our sinfulness and the futility of life on this earth that we're limited. That even in the new heavens and the new earth, when, we have with, when you're with Jesus for eternity, he's still an infinite God and we're still finite people. That you will spend your entire life growing in knowledge of God. There's no such thing as fully knowing God. That doesn't mean we don't know him truly. This is why this doesn't lead into some type of agnostic, we can't really know anything. We do truly know him, we just don't fully know him. What he says here is, were every one of these things to be written down, I suppose the world itself cannot contain the books to be written. He's like, to try to fully know all the things that God ever does is silly. He's infinite. The world itself that he created is finite. We can't get it all. This is true in all of our relationships, right? I've known my wife for going on 15 something years. We've been dating for like 12 of those years, married for nine of them. And I all the time am learning things about her. She's learning things about me. And it's not that every time I learn something about her, I go from believing false things about her to believing true things about her. But it's going, I know her truly, but I just don't know her fully. And she's just a finite human. She's not the infinite God. Right? There's sometimes there might be misconceptions that get cleared up. But basically, the rest of my life, I'm going to be getting to know her more. And that's not necessarily an accuracy thing. It's just an, a, a volume thing. It's the same with the Lord. A lot of you truly know God. You just never will fully know God. And this kind of emotional reality is, I think, one of the things that keeps us stable and humble as humans, that we have the security and stability of knowing that we truly know Jesus, but at the same time, we need to have this humility, this teachability, and this openness and curiosity to know that we don't fully know Jesus, that we're going to spend the rest of our lives learning and growing and being challenged and being shaped. And so our whole life is marked by learning. Some of you are in this room and you, you feel like you don't truly know God and you, you got, there's like more research to be done and the jury's still out and I need to keep reading books and, and I just want you to know that if you wait to fully know God before you trust him, you'll never trust him. 
And some of us in this room are marked with the opposite error, which is this belief that I know everything there is to know, that I can't be taught. Maybe you haven't changed your mind about anything in like 20 years. Danger zone. Right? God is constantly calling us to submit our whole selves to the scriptures and he's learning us and shaping us and challenging us. And if we think that for a second that Jesus is contained to the books that we have read in this book, we're silly. So John, who wrote John, is going, John is good, read it. But Jesus is bigger than this thing. And that's also true for the whole Bible. The Bible is a true revelation of God. But guess what? If we wrote down everything that God ever did and everything that was ever true about him, the world cannot contain the books, much less one binding, <laughs> much less one of us. God is infinite. You can truly know him without fully knowing him. Do you sit in that tension well? Is that okay for you? Can you grasp that? Is that not enough certainty? It's the same with me, right? Hopefully, I'm representing myself to you all honestly on a regular basis, and you all truly know me. But the closer you get to me, the more you fully know me. This is how all relationships work. It's just especially true for the infinite God of the universe. So let's be humble and be stable, because we don't know him fully, but we do know him truly. Next thing we see in this text that I really like is uh, a little bit of Jesus' sassiness, right? You know, like, uh, I do think last time someone told you to mind your own business, was that a good encounter or a bad encounter? <laughs> Did you, like, feel good about that moment or bad about that moment? Right? Uh, and so, especially the way this happens here. So what happens, like, to kind of back up, we got this mind your own business thing, is we just, what Luke talked about last week, is Peter's being restored by Christ. Peter had bailed on him. He had, he had denied him. He had proved himself to be cowardly. And here Jesus comes back and restores Peter. And what he tells him in, in chapter 21, verse 18 from last week, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, which is a metaphor for crucifixion. And another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. You're going to be uh, murdered. You're going to be crucified. This is to say what kind of death he was going to glorify God. After saying this, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Excuse me. And Peter's like, cool. And they're like following him. But then what happens in verse 20 is Peter turns and sees the disciple who Jesus loved. That's John's way of referring to himself. The one who had leaned back against him during supper and said, who's going to betray you? And Peter saw him. So Peter sees John and says to Jesus, what about him? I'm going to get murdered. What about John? I'm going to suffer and die for following you. What about this guy? Meaning, are we all doing this? Uh, is this like, uh, you can't imagine like the, you know, the lineup in when you're at the police station, you know, with the, plant, with the man with the tall hair, please step forward. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it, are we all stepping forward? Are we all doing this? Okay, you're crucified, I'm crucified, we're all crucified. And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Have you ever said to someone, what's it to you? It's a little sass here, right? Stay in your lane. Mind your own business. You worry about you. Imagine Peter going like, okay, okay. <coughs> So I'm crucified and mind my own business. Okay, got it. Stay in my lane. You follow me. You worry about you. 
so much. You've, you've probably heard this said a dozen times. You know, comparison is the thief of joy, right? I think everyone knows that. But I also want us to know that it's not just the thief of joy, but comparison is the thief of faithfulness. That when you spend too much time looking left, looking right, looking in front of you, looking behind you, trying to be the faithfulness police for other people, trying to examine other people's callings, not concerned about your calling, you're going to get off track. It's not going to go well. We compare all the time. How come, you know, you, you look across the yard, you see someone else's green grass, and you go, I wonder if he had to earn that or if it just was there. How come that guy gets two houses and I'm struggling to do one? How come those people never get cavities and I and brush their teeth and don't ever brush their teeth? And how come these people brush their teeth every day and get cavities? You know, it's like, why, Lord? Why is this going on? How come he gets a wife and is happy? And how come he gets a wife and is unhappy? <laughs> How come they get six kids and I get none? How come they get the promotion and I'm over here? How come this person suffers for the faith while this person doesn't suffer the faith? Why this way? Why that way? And we compare other people's callings all the time. And it takes away energy from us living faithfully into our callings. And not only that, but we can't really know other people's business to that degree. It's kind of like I talk to folks who have kids a little bit older than mine and they have a firstborn who sometimes forgets that they're a child in the family and starts to act like they're the third parent in the family. And I hear them go like, I'll be his mommy, you be a kid, you know. We Christians do it all the time. I've been here a while. I'm going to help the father do the parenting. And this, I think, is Jesus looking at us going like, I'll be the head of this household, you be a kid in this household. You need to mind your own business. Stay in your lane. This comparison, thief of faithfulness, thief of joy is real. And here's, here's one of the reasons why I think we do this. So think about what you're most prone to compare yourself to others about. I think that that is one of the main tools that reveals what we're actually deeply insecure about. That where we find ourselves comparing or questioning other people is actually a revelation of our own hearts that we have work to do as far as getting secure with Jesus about that area, do you find yourself thinking about other people's money and what they do with it all the time? You probably have some insecurity about how you're handling your money. Do you find yourself worried about other people, what they're wearing, what they're not wearing, or uh, what they're doing, what they're not doing with their bodies? You're probably insecure about your body and what you put on. Do you find yourself concerned about where other people are going to church and why they should be going there or not? Maybe you're insecure about why you go to church here. I think if we find ourselves, not just, and so don't find yourself comparing yourself and then just kind of shame yourself. Find yourself comparing yourself and going, this is maybe an invitation the Spirit's giving me into questioning, why am I insecure about this? Do I really trust in the blood of the Lamb for my security, my stability, or am I trusting in my resume? And other people's resume looks different than mine, so I have to be worried about it. Now, when I say mind your own business, I don't mean care about nobody. Because there's a lot of times that we come alongside people and say, are you doing okay? You know, a couple last time I preached, I said, you know, Olivia was being fussy. And then people have asked me, how's Olivia doing? And if I responded with, what's it to you? (laughs) (laughs) So this is the the fine line about caring for others, for their well-being and their sake and showing up for them and being curious and going, how are you? 
But that's not what Peter's doing. Peter's going, why do I have to get crucified and John gets to die of old age? That stinks. And John's even clearing some of this out here, clearing some of this up, right? He goes, so this is, so when John's writing this, Peter's probably already murdered. John's an old man. And people are spreading rumors about John and he has to clear it up. He goes, so the saying spread among the brothers. This is like parentheses, you dummies, that the disciple was not to die. John's like, I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna not die of crucifixion. All right, so people get like, you know how Christians are, this, this, the rumor stuff. I heard John's not gonna die. You know, and, and John's writing his, his epilogue like, nope, I'm gonna die. I don't know where you got this idea. Stop, <laughs> you know, my, uh, not gonna die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not gonna die. He just said to him, what's it to you? He just said, Peter, mind your own business. So John's going, John, Jesus just told Peter to mind his own business. He didn't tell Peter that I'm not gonna die. I'm going to die. So John's an old man. He's clarifying the rumors. He's going, I'm gonna live. He's, he's old. He, he writes this thinking maybe it's his last thing. Then he goes on to write first, second, third, John. Right? He's, he's an old guy. He's writing his last penmanship. And Peter, a little bit, looks at what John gets to do. John gets to be this theologian, to write this beautiful book, to live to an old age, to be an elder in the church that all these young people come to him and say, teach us, John. And Peter just gets murdered, cut off early. And so Peter's not caring for John. Peter is comparing himself to John and maybe going, I'm not sure if I want my calling. I think I maybe want John's calling. Do you want your calling? Guess what? Doesn't matter. You got it. <laughs> you might want someone else's calling. And that's something you need to address with the Lord in prayer. But jealousy leads us into a lot of icky places in our hearts. And we can frame it as concern for their well-being. You know, I heard, you know, that he's getting wealthy and, you know, it's hard for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, kingdom of heaven, just concern for him, when really it's just, I'm jealous. So let's, as a church, pay careful attention to what we're noticing about others most, what we're comparing ourselves to others most, and recognize that's probably an invitation that we have some work to do in prayer and journaling or in counseling to get to the bottom of some of my jealousy, some of my insecurity, some of my stuff that's in there. Care about others, but mind your own business. That's attention, but we gotta walk it. The last thing we get here is, he just says, follow me. Jesus said to him, it's my will that he remains till I come. What's that to you? Follow me. You follow me. You don't follow John. You follow me. This is one of the things that we have to get into our heads as Americans, is we like to believe that because we know the scientific method, that we are rational, neutral observers who make rational, neutral choices based on evidence. That's just not true. We are followers to the core. From the time we are born, we are following. From the time we are growing up into maturity, we are following. I mow the lawn in the backyard. My son immediately goes and grabs his little matching mower, and he does the same thing. Nobody had to tell him, Jay, try to be like your dad. He's just imitating. You notice that the most when I'm at dinner with other people, and I find him just repeating what other people say all the time. He's learning. He's following. It's called mirror neurons. It's in our brains that we're baked into our core is who we're following. This is one of the reasons why our heroes are so powerful in shaping our values and our desires, that who you look up to is who you want to become always. Who do you want to be like? A Kardashian? Elon Musk? Some other billionaire, some famous person, when you close your eyes and picture your future, you go, if only I could be like blank, 
then I'll be successful. The question I have for us, is it Christ crucified or is it somebody else? Because for me, it's Christ crucified a solid 8% of the time. Other people shape my heart and my affections way more than I want them to. Because I'm a follower. You're a follower. We're all followers. It's biologically and spiritually programmed into the way that we exist in the world. So the question is not, will we be followers? The question is, who will we follow? Who will you follow? Who will you be like? Who will you try to imitate? And this is one of the things that I think we get this misconception about it is, you know, if you think about people's famous last words, right, the Buddha, famous last words, strive unceasingly. Woo. It's quite a burden. Work, never stop. You could also translate that. Strive to earn your salvation. Because he didn't say it in English, to be clear. Is that what Jesus is saying? Follow me. Put in the miles. Get on the path. Because you could read it that way. Jesus' final words. Do stuff. Is Jesus like Buddha? This is one of the things, the tensions we see in the Gospel of John. At the end of John chapter 20, John says, here's the purpose of the book. Verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God, and that by, leaving, that by believing you may have life in his name. That feels more like a good last phrase of Jesus. Believe! Trust me! Not follow me. Follow me sounds like do more. Believe, trust me feels like trust me. So which one is it in John? Is it believe or is it follow? What do you want him to do? Is it do stuff or is it believe stuff? Is it think stuff or is it act? Well, I think part of the point of this in the Gospel of John is that John doesn't see those as any different. If you trust, then you will follow. If you believe, you will come. Because when we say follow me, this is not Jesus saying, go do that thing. See, when my dog, which I have mixed affections for, best case scenario, scratches at my back door, and I'm like, we have a dog door. What's wrong with you? Go out the dog door. And so I go to the dog, and I was like, nope, dog door that way. And it like, looks at me like, can't you just open the door right here? I'm like, not a chance, dude. Second class citizen in this house. And I point him to the dog door. I'm like, go that way. I think that's what sometimes how we receive Jesus' command to follow me. He's saying, go that way. Do the thing. Walk the path. There is righteousness. Go that way. But he's not saying, there's the path. Walk it. He's saying, follow me. He's saying, I am the path. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come with me. Stay close to me. When I take Jay to Home Depot, I think all the employees there mostly hate me because he kind of just goes all over the place. But there's a time when, like, when we get out of the car and I set him down, I'm like, Jay, there's cars around. You need to follow me. Stay close to me because he's, you know, a little distracted. You know, he'll be close to me. He's like, I'm close to you. I'm close to you. I'm with you. I'm following you. And then he's like, grasshopper. And he's going this way. And there's, like, cars around. I'm like, nope, stay close to me. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. And I, and I uh, you know, it's patronizing, but I am his father, so it's fine. You know, so <laughs> stay close. Stay close. That when Jesus says, follow me, he's not doing it to just test our submissiveness. When Jesus says, follow me, he's not saying, let's see if you really believe. When Jesus says, follow me, he's not saying, we'll see if you're for real or not. He's saying, follow me, stay close to me, there's danger, and I'm the best place to be. Stay on my heels, because I'm going where you need to go, and I'm going where I need to go, and I want you to come with me. His follow me is not just to walk the path, it's come with me. 
And when we trust him, we want to go with him. I was driving to lunch the other week on a Wednesday. It was with my, my buddy uh, Greg and Jeremy. And I was driving to lunch and I kind of was like, I'm a little anxious about this lunch. Why is that? And then I realized that Greg has closed four different mortgages for me. And Jeremy's my financial planner. And I was just feeling a little exposed. <laughs> These guys know all my business. And I was like, should I be nervous about this? And I'm like, how do I kind of talk myself through it, right? You know, like, no, I, I know these guys. I trust these guys. Uh, I, not only do I trust them with that information, but I trust them not to, like, use that information against me. I don't, I'm not, like, you know, a financial criminal or anything like that. Don't worry about that. But it's just, just that weird feeling of exposure, you know? Do I like feeling exposed like this? I don't really know, you know? So, uh, and I, but I'm, I had to kind of go, like, no, I know Greg. I trust Greg. I know Jeremy. I trust Jeremy. And then, like, that kind of helped. I self-managed my anxiety out of that. I went to lunch. I had a good time, right? But because I know their character, I trust them, I believe in them, and I functionally act that way, right? When you know God's character, when you believe in what he's done in history to save you when, you, when you're able to rest in his finished work, then him saying, stay close with me, is not a problem. Him saying, stay close with me, is not a threat, it's a promise. Him saying, come on, stay on my heels, there's cars and I'm trying to keep you safe. You go, yes, I'd rather be nowhere else. That when we trust him, we follow him. And in following him, we learn to trust him deeper. That's like the cycle of intimacy. I hope that when you hear Jesus say, follow me, he's not saying, do good stuff, be a better person. When Jesus says, follow me, he's saying, stay close with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. As we wrap up the Gospel of John, I hope that we as Redemption Gateway really kind of get this message loud and clear that you have to live your calling, that you really do have to mind your own business and stay close to Jesus. And if you do that, you'll be in good shape. That's how John wants us to end this book. Mind your own business, stay on the heels of Christ, and you'll be okay. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this book. Thank you for uh, how you've worked through John to encourage our faith and build our faith. Jesus, I also thank you for being infinite, that the words in this book uh, can't even come close to containing all that you are. But God, I pray that we can live in that tension, that we can know you truly, that we wouldn't feel some pressure to know you fully. Father, help us rest in your work and enable us to stay on your heels, that we'd stay close. In your name we pray, amen.